One more time for me. Welcome to Wild Turkey Distiller in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. We're standing here on the Wild Turkey Hill, known as the Wild Turkey Hill. We have yet another Bourbon Pursuit exclusive. I know lots of people who think going on a barrel pick is probably going to be like the coolest thing you're ever going to do. Well, I have to admit, now that I've done six or seven, it's actually pretty fun. But the barrel pick for this podcast is unlike any other. It's a collaboration where we got to choose multiple barrels from multiple stores. So first, I have to say thanks to Ed Bly, the bourbon kingpin at Cork and Bottle in Northern Kentucky, for letting us be a part of this. If you don't know the history of Cork and Bottle, listen to episode 83, where Ed joins the show to talk about his store and their history with things such as private label Van Winkles. However, it's not only Ed we were joined by, but we also had Nick DeKeos, who is one of the founding members of the Bourbon Mafia, and Reed and Emerald joined us as well. Now, if you don't know Reed and Emerald, put it in search of in a form and see what happens. These guys are known for picking epic barrels and have been associated with some of the best private label Willet bourbons to ever hit the market. And they're also a part of 1790B, which is another well-established bourbon group. We also have an episode that'll be coming out later featuring just Reed and Emerald themselves. Lastly, the legend himself, Jimmy Russell, joins to give all the great commentary and history as he always does. So now I know your next question is, so where do I get one of these killer private Russell Reserve bottles? Well, they will be arriving very soon. When I say soon, I'm saying within the next month, the Corkin bottle in Northern Kentucky and Julio's in New England that's right outside of Boston. Make sure you keep an eye on these because they will be gone extremely quick. Not to mention Bourbon Pursuit's gonna be on the label, so you know immediately that it's gonna be great. With that said, please take the time to support us on Patreon, and you can see cool things such as stickers and t-shirts we are giving away, as well as the monthly giveaways too. Make sure you're also following and liking us on Facebook, and you can get caught up on all those great unedited footage uh, and content, as well as bloopers. Enjoy this week's bonus episode. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Knows Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to knowsyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order.
And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of the Burn Pursuit Podcast. Kenny and Ryan here in beautiful Lawrenceburg, Kentucky at Wild Turkey doing something that we've never done before. No, definitely. We just drug like 30 wires, 50 boxes. Everybody's pissed. They're like, why can't we drink bourbon? No, I'm kidding. But uh, super excited to be here at Wild Turkey. I've been blessed to do many barrel picks, but this is my first year, so I'm excited to be here. This is my second Wild Turkey barrel pick, but this is going to be one that's completely different than anything else that we've uh, ever done before because this one is going to be uh, a collaboration of a few different places. Uh, you know, this has been something that, uh, you know, we got Jimmy Russell right in here right next to us as well. So this is going to be uh, quite the, the entertaining uh, few, <laughs> we hope. few hour that we're, an hour or so that we're going to go through. So before we get started, I kind of quickly want to go around the table real quick uh, and have everybody introduce themselves just quickly, you know, who you are, where you're from, who you're representing, so on and so forth. So I'll start to my left here. In the back corner. Uh, Emerald Adair, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Just uh, looking forward to my first barrel tasting. This looks like fun. <laughs> <laughs> the sarcasm is laying on thick this morning. <laughs> Chris Reynolds out of Mason, Ohio. Here just to uh, learn from these uh, first timers. I guess you put it. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Uh, Reed Bechtel from uh, Clifton, Virginia. I'm hanging out with Emerald. We uh, did some reading Emerald Bowers a while ago, got real lucky, and uh, been cold to quit. <laughs> <laughs> And we got somebody else here who's on their first yeah, barrel. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm Jimmy Russell, the master of distiller at the Wild Turkey Distillery. This is my only second time I've got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name's Ed Bly. I, I work uh, at Cork and Bottle, run the Spirits and Beer Department there. And ideal pick for me. It's a dream pick. So thank you very much all for, for coming. Absolutely. Uh, Nick DeCoe's from Northern Kentucky. and really excited to be here. <laughs> Party. This is like an AA meeting almost. Uh, Dave Salcido from Tucson, Arizona. It's my uh, second barrel tasting, actually. So this is a, a new for me, a one for me. So thanks. Well, awesome. awesome. So there was there. You could tell the sarcasm was getting laid on pretty thick because uh, we have some very very experienced people here, and this is actually exciting because this is the first ever podcast that we've ever actually done during a a barrel tasting itself. So I think that's that's very interesting. But we're starting off with something unique here. So I don't know who poured this, but please go ahead and uh, explain to me what we are drinking here as before we start actually tasting here. We figured we'd start off with something that's great and we all love near and dear. So we started off with a 2001 Pewter Top Kentucky spirit okay it's fantastic yeah. so cheers everybody cheers. Cheers. cheers so i guess i the one thing where we start diving into this 
for a lot of you that are very experienced in doing this, what is your mentality coming into a, a barrel picking? Mentality is really easy. I'm just looking to see what's here. Uh, we're <laughs> find absolute best things that we possibly can and, uh, and spread them out a little bit here this time on this pick. Mm. So some of them will be up at uh, uh, Julio's and some of them will be at Cork and Bottle. And uh, I think we're going to find some really special stuff today. And Did you do any, like, tongue push-ups this morning? You know, <laughs> the pallet train? You know, I, I've been resting my pallet for the past few days. I only had about six boards yesterday. So. <laughs> nice. This is also pretty unique in the fact that we're choosing six barrels today. Isn't that right? Yeah, six barrels. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not just one barrel pick, right? We're, we're kind of... I was talking to Ed yesterday, and I was just like, I'm going to be drunk as hell after this. And he's, he says, you should just make sure you eat a good breakfast in the morning. So <laughs> It sounds like Ed didn't even eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long day. <laughs> there you go. Big lunch. Big, big lunch. lunch. All right, so let's go ahead and get it started. Uh, wherever, wherever we're starting off from. Let's well, what we're doing here, we have the single barrel selection that uh, wholesalers, retailers, the bars and everything come in and select their own barrel. They get the taste right out of the barrel. You know, when we're selecting for our single barrels, we're selecting for the general public. We're looking for a certain taste, trying to be consistent. Every barrel has a little bit of different taste. The way that tree grows in the woods has effect on the, when you're bottling 101 or 81, 12 to 1400 barrels in a batch, you don't, you can get that consistent flavor and taste. But when we're selecting for everybody, we're selecting Try and find barrels that taste identical. On this tasting, what we're doing, you all know your customers. You know whether they like more spicy, less spicy, and all. So we're letting you select what you want for your own customers because you know your customers. I don't know your customers. But say when we're selecting, we're selecting for everybody all over the world. This way, you're selecting for your own private customers. You know whether they want it more spicy, less spicy, a little sweeter, or whatever. So you get to taste all different barrels and get to pick the barrel that you like for your own place. Absolutely. Yeah, these are true unicorns, I tell people. With the way limited releases are these days, I mean, these private barrel picks are the way to go, you know, for, for people to get their hands on something that's very unique. And so I'm ready to get started. Well, what we always do, we bring you to the storage building. We're in the AUR house here at Wild Turkey Stewart. This building was built in the 1890s, been in operation ever since 1890s. So it's a lot of bourbon barrels went through this storage building in the last, over oh, all these years. So. You ready to get started? Let's, get Let's do it. it. All right. the yeah, first, we, we realized early on this was built on quite early because it was hard as hell just to find an outlet to plug all this <laughs> audio equipment in. Well, you know, uh, we're only allowed to put certain amount of electricity. We come right. under federal government supervision. But you saw when you come through the gate, everybody's picture was made. It was a camera up there. Oh, <laughs> up until 1980s. We had nine or ten government men sit here every day. They carried all the keys to the buildings. We didn't have any keys. The only keys we had were to offer. And right now, if they was here still on premises, uh, they would be right in here with us. We have to. They'd have them. a mic talking they, to us. <laughs> <laughs> we have to count for every drop. Just like me, if I want a bottle, everybody thinks I can get plenty. But if I want a bottle, i got to go to one of y'all's places and buy mm -hmm. it just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. We cannot take anything out of here. And we have to account for every drop. We had, like this, we're having to. Got to pay that excise tax, right? Uh, well, that's a pretty good tax, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the, in the state of Kentucky, we pay a tax on each barrel that sits here in ages each year. Uh, the, uh, so, you know, most of the bourbons are four and five years old on the market. We don't put out anything under seven. So seven to 12 is my idea of what mm -hmm. the best bourbons are. The Russells that we're uh, looking here at now to single barrels is always 10 years old somewhere in that range. The barrel we're getting ready to sample was made in 2007. 
And it's straight out of the barrel. We'll pull it right straight out of the barrel. This way. Everybody got your glasses ready? Yes, sir. All right. Better drink this Go one on. pretty quickly then. <laughs> but, uh, I get, I've yeah. been tangled up in lines. You got, you got the extra large Don't size. Any, there's more. <laughs> oh, okay. We're, use, we're, we're, we're using old copper thief. It's been around as long as I have, and that's been over 60 some odd years now. Who's ready? I'll put as much in that as I can, and you pour. Oh, it didn't get much. Yeah, I'll, I'll distribute it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going through a lot of barrels here. <laughs> yeah, so I was about to say, I'll, I'll look yeah, to one baby, of you guys. So I'll, I'll look over here. Well, when you're when you're choosing barrels, because you guys are a lot more experienced than maybe myself, and we're going to do uh, close to it looks like twelve today. Uh, how do you how do you go through this here to make guys. sure your palate doesn't get go fatigued or anything like that? The best way of doing tasting, the first thing to me, the best thing is look at the color. Bourbon is the only product in the world that you cannot add color to. All the color must be natural from aging in that new charred white oak barrel. If you add color to it, it becomes whiskey. You can't call it bourbon anymore. The most important thing to me in tasting is the aroma. I use simple terms explaining. You walk in a restaurant, what's the first impression you get of food? It's not it a smell. If it doesn't smell good, I don't care how good it tastes, you done decide it's not any good. <laughs> so you ought to have... I'll give you the basics. You ought to have a lot of caramel, vanilla, sweetness, and aroma. And I like to smell with my mouth closed, and then smell again with my mouth open. I get a different aroma. I don't know whether you all do or not. And then you ought to get the same thing in the taste. I'm giving the basic caramel, vanilla, sweetness. Mm -hmm. Some says nutty, fruity, different things. But me, that's what we're looking for. But I like to put it in my mouth and give it that good old Kentucky chew, let it roll all around your mouth. Now, when we're tasting, we spit it right out. <laughs> Yeah. And then the finish, the finish. What kind of taste does it leave in your mouth? I go back to food. I use simple terms. If you eat food and it don't leave a good taste in your mouth, how many times do you order it again? You don't. We want to leave it a good taste in your mouth. So let's have another one before the night's over with. The only thing about that, you might have too many before the night's over. <laughs> in our case, the, the morning. <laughs> What's proof on this one, Jimmy? Kev, what was proof on it? About 121? Huh. 21. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't miss it, did I? <laughs> and Jimmy, if this is a Russell's, is it bottled at 120 or 110? 110. 110. Bottled at 110. What is the so when you, I get when I do these barrel picks, like there's like an oil that you get, you know, when you're. I guess is that from the I hope charcoal not, get, not, I hope not being filtered? Oil taste. Not oil taste, like a. I guess it's got more of a oily texture, like more thicker. I guess, yeah, glistening. Well, yeah, that's because I'm not saying it right. That's but. the caramel vanilla. Gotcha. You no, know, uh, the lighter the product is, the less of that you'll get. Uh, when you talk about oil, it's me. I'm thinking of fusel oils. Yeah. And fusel oils, you don't want a lot of fusel oils, in. and that's what makes you after a night of drinking, especially if you mix it with something sweet. You reach out here and scratch your head the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, I guess a good question for you is when you're doing this, you know, you, you understand it's going to be bottled at uh, 110. 110, right? We're drinking around 120, 121. So how do you go about deciding whether this is a good one? He just put a, <laughs> you just put just a, put a nickel on down <laughs> on top of the barrel, right? So yeah, kind of, I guess, talk about your, your so thought process in what this. What I'm looking at is, so this barrel's at 121, I believe you said. So yeah. we're going to need to proof it down about 5 to 6% of water, about 5 to 6% of water. And that way, uh, it gives you an idea of what it's going to be like when it's bottled. It's not exact, but it's close. All bourbon changes with water. I'm, I'm sure yes. Russell can tell you that for I'm sure. I'm Jimmy. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, just call me Jimmy. <laughs> so are you uh, putting water in your glass to kind of mimic that? Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea what it's gonna handle, how it's going to handle water, what it's going to taste like by adding water and see how the finish is affected, how the flavor is affected, how the nose is affected. When I find it one that I, I, I enjoy, I'll mark it so we can go back and do them blind at the end. Gotcha. There's one thing. This about one it. made the cut. It's got a coin on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know the thing about this. This is what you don't realize. One gallon of water on the rule of thumb. One gallon of water reduce a hundred gallons of bourbon one proof point. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So that's uh, that bottle cap there is too much water to put in there to reduce it down to hundred and ten. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so I, when I do it, I just kind of eyeball it. I'm looking at five percent water, so I add about three, four drops of water mm-hmm. to it, and that'll give you an idea what it's like. Yes. What's crazy about this one that I've noticed right off the bat is is that the dry finish at cast strength isn't there when you proof it down with water; it sweetens it up, and the finish is pretty daggone long on this one. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this barrel actually. That's yeah, what we want is you know that long, good finish in your mouth. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a fan of this one. I'll put a coin too. <laughs> <laughs> Once we get to about three quarters of the way down there, they, they're all coins. Yeah. Be, so that's why I'm they all get coins. Sure. All we have, are, all we have, are pennies though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Ready for the next one? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This one is sixteen dash five eighteen. Do we have a proof on sixteen five eighteen? One twenty one point seven. One nineteen point nine. Oh, oh man, I didn't taste that. I was just <laughs> gosh. It's like telling Albert Einstein, he, he, he does not equal MC squared, right? <laughs> so what are you guys noticing about this one that might be different from the last one? It's not nearly as spicy. Yeah. Not nearly as spicy. It's a lot more approachable yeah. on this one. Wood's a lot lower. Yeah. So proofing it down might hurt this one, you know? You'd be surprised. That last one even surprised me. Really? I thought it was going to be dry to finish this week. See, that's what I know. That's why I'm a podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Jimmy, we all know that each one of these are unique and they're, you know, just because of... <laughs> Mat, you know, maturation time, aging, right. different parts of the warehouse. I guess when when you are doing a, a barrel pick for somebody like uh, whether it's Julio's or Cork and Bottle, you know, how do you go when you choose which barrels you're going to take? I mean, are you taking them from different warehouses? Are you some them of them different. Some of them is different warehouse. Most of them's on fourth, fifth, middle warehouse, third, fourth, fifth floor. Uh, the center cut we call it here. It's uh, ours is all seven stories tall, metal clan, and in the summertime it can be thirty degrees difference between the top floors and these bottom floors. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to have that to age bourbon properly. It's got to get hot in the summertime to expand down into that wood. In the wintertime it's got to extract. It's got to breathe. It's got to go in and out of that wood to age. If if you let, if it stayed hot all the time, it wouldn't age. If it stayed cold, it'd be just like drinking straight off the still. Pretty grainy, yeasty taste at that time. It's hard to replicate our weather. Hell, two weeks ago it was 40. Now it's freaking 80. Well, the thing about that is, you know, people's asked me about that out for years. We had a real cold winter. Oh, it's going to, well, I hate to say this, but one fellow said you had to keep bourbon at constant temperatures age. If you age at a constant temperature, it's not going to age. <laughs> it's, uh, it, nobody will hear this. Just go ahead. You can call them out and say, tell them no. who told you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, saying, then I had people call me when we had a, few, a year or two ago, we had zero weather. What happens that bourbon freezes? I said, what? <laughs> yeah. said, if that bourbon freezes, what are you going to do? I said, I won't worry about it. They said, well, why? I said, we won't be around if bourbon freezes. We won't be around. We'll be frozen. <laughs> 
expensive. Haven't they ever put a bottle of Goldschlager in the freezer? Yeah, I know, no, right? <laughs> Apparently nobody's been to college. You know, many, every, everything in our business has been experimented with. Many, many years ago, we, some of us was doing experiments. We was trying to freeze the water out of it. <laughs> so you could just, in a bottle, you'd have very little. Like condensed version. And then, of... and then you'd put the water in it when you got it. To save, save shipping costs and everything for people going to, it too, you know. That didn't work. You couldn't freeze it out. <laughs> but it, everything in our business has been tried. We're the only company that I know of. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong on this. Everything out here is wild turkey products. We don't have any other products. Most bourbon distilleries has maybe 40 or 50 different labels. But everything we have is the 101, 81, Russell's Rare Breed, Kentucky Spirit or Single Barrels, and our rye whiskey. That's, that's it in American Honey. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw a curveball at you then. So, what about the recent release of uh, Bond and Illiard and uh, Old Rippy? Well, if you look and see the advertisement on that, the advertisement says Jimmy Russell and Eddie Russell had nothing to do with it. <laughs> ah, fair enough. So that's why it's still on the shelves. <laughs> yeah, if you looked at all the advertisement, that's what it say. Jimmy Russell and the Eddie fine print. Russell. Yeah, no, it's big print. And, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Russell and Eddie Russell has nothing to do with it. Interesting. That's good to know. That's wild. Awesome. All right. I guess we're ready for barrel number three, barrel number three right? Yep. All right. That's always behind you. I think back. it's right next to Kenny. Yeah. All right. What's the proof on this one, Jimmy? Yeah. Four ninety-five. Ooh, the nose. You better proof it down. You're supposed to be taking notes here about how this is supposed to work. Yeah, that's. I wasn't a good student. <laughs> yeah. The rise, Jimmy. I mean, the rise are just spectacular. Yeah. Don't talk to me about rye. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds why like a sore you, subject. No, why didn't you tell us seven or eight years ago that rye was going to make this huge? Here, seven or eight years right. ago, us yeah. and Jim Beam was making yeah. a couple of days of rye a year. That's all we were making. And now... We're still on allocations on. You can blame all the hipster bartenders for that one. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, you know, no. This is what's amazing to me. My age, uh, you know, I've been in the business sixty-three years now. In my age, rye whiskey was basically mixed drinks, Manhattan's old fashioned. My grandson working for us now. These younger generations gonna... drinking on the rocks. I never heard people drinking around on the rocks. Well, my grandson drinks it on the rocks. A lot of the young people drink it on the rocks. What you drinking neat? Yeah, mm -hmm. drinking neat. So we're trying to get caught up on a rye whiskey, but we're having a hard time getting caught up on a rye whiskey. We thought we'd get into the single barrel programs of rye last year. We didn't. We thought we'd get into it this year. We still haven't got enough to do. <laughs> Today would be a great day, though. Yeah. <laughs> this is the barrel first podcast. Yeah. 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 Here. Uh, we don't have them. <laughs> Mo I'm mo very, yeah. very few of our 101 rise on the market right now. Mm -hmm. Basically, at the bars, is basically about the only place we can get it to right now. It's few in the stores, but most of it is at the bars. So who are my guys from Tucson? We had... So you, Emerald, yeah, Emerald here, and then uh, Dave Salcido. And Dave, and Dave's right from there. Tucson as well. He, he's just, he's just here. drinking. He's not saying Yeah, anything. that's okay. <laughs> he's a smart man in the group. So, so I want to talk to you all just for a little bit. So talk to me about bourbon in Arizona. Like, what's the what's the kind of... The so first word is scarce. scarce. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't leave Phoenix. So, yeah, the big stores get it. So we have to come out here to get some. <laughs> you you got to take a Southwest flight out here. Though, very <laughs> popular down there. I mean, it's, it's you know, like anywhere else. We got all the hipster bars popping up. So all the good, good whiskey doesn't make it down there. So fortunately, we're part of some of the bigger groups here that are able to get some of the good whiskey down there. But anyways, right. 
Arizona does not get a lot of allocation of anything. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. So. Well, the other problem is, is that when you do find it online, we do not ship to Arizona. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> One of those. But oddly enough, you can't ship to Kentucky, even though 95 percent of it's actually made here. We, right? You know, we ship all over the world. Everybody gets ours. Oh, you can you can ship wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about Kentucky. You no, know, Kentucky's the birthplace of bourbon. Most of Kentucky's still in prohibition. Still, mm-hmm. it's still completely twenty dry counties in Kentucky. Yeah. A few years ago, over half of them were dry. And what's happened now? When I say completely dry, is nothing. Now a lot of them, the cities has went we, uh, moist. We call it. Yeah. <laughs> I the heard city. the women hate that word. By the way, <laughs> in the cities, a lot of them is went. Part of the cities has went wet. Or moist, we call it. The bars and restaurants right. can serve it, but they, still, moist. with some tax money will do. Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the trouble in Kentucky. You, uh, uh, we pay the county uh, state tax on each barrel that's set here in ages each year. Mm-hmm. Most of the counties are dry, and they still get that tax money. So we've tried in, in the state of Kentucky, coal. They only pay tax on the coal in the counties. Yeah. Here, every county gets the spirits tax. So they're not going to vote theirself out of tax money. <laughs> With good reason, I guess. Yeah. Jimmy, what's your thoughts on the, the new law passing in Kentucky to be able to sell old bottles again? Uh, you know, that's they've been doing it forever. <laughs> uh-huh. it's been, that's been done forever. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Just, right. just hope there are old bottles. Yeah, and that's right. what you got to be careful about. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's some places right now, uh, in, not in America, but in the world, it's a lot of counterfeit products. Uh, this is something that never happened to us before, but the last few years there have been a lot of lawsuits filed misrepresenting what you're doing. That's the thing. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. I, I saw some emails flying around, and I saw some rumors. So I guess, Jimmy, what's the idea of eventually maybe this going to uh, barrel-proof, uncharcoal filtered, um, that kind of sort of release for a Russell's? Well, you know, originally, uh, everything is all filtered. You have to because that char comes loose in the barrel. We we use the number four char. We use the heavy char. But uh, – I want to stay, say this and be diplomatic about it. <laughs> I understand that you have corporate overlords, right? <laughs> well, the old, old, in my time, if bourbon wasn't up to standards, they charcoal filter it to smooth it out a little bit. And a lot of people back in that day and time, if they, and even today, the older group, if they see charcoal filtering on a label, they won't buy it. They think it was something inferior. They're trying to smooth it out a little bit. Jack Daniels has turned that around. They make it sound like it... Is it okay thing, right? It's okay, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, uh, we don't har- we don't charcoal filter any of our products. Okay. Now the reason that you chill filter, chill filter, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah, you're thinking about chill filter. Yeah. What happens in chill filtering? The more water you add to it, as it gets, if it gets cold, we call it flocking. I don't know whether you've ever seen that or not. A lot of little white specks will get in the bottle. It's the fatty acids. And normally, we used to, we never did chill filter anything. Now, new people comes in, they want to chill filter. Now, this had, well, this will not be chill filter. Because we're adding very, very little water. Our 101, we never did chill filter just a few years ago. But that's a big thing coming back now. And actually, uh, what you're doing is say you're pulling some of the fatty acids out of it. it, it normally, 
If it gets cold, it'll make it flock, we call it. The more water you add to it, the more, more it'll do that. See, we're adding very little water to any of our products because we still distill it low proof, put it in a barrel at low proof, and we're... <laughs> For anybody that's not watching on video right now, he just dropped like eight nickels. So. Uh, you'll be I'm seeing sure this that that bottle right. yes. uh, Basically, basically Ed stacks higher than Emerald stack right now. Because he's all in, right? Ed, why are you putting buffalo nickels on a wild turkey barrel? Yeah. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Make sure you turn that right end out. Don't even bother. So, what is it, Ed, about this one that you're? you're I, I like the. I mean, the, the whole package is solid. The nose is great. The finish is great. The palate's great. It's an even, well balanced, sweeter bourbon from Wild Turkey, and those are yeah. the best ones. So I, I totally agree. This since it hit my mouth, I was like, this one's one of those ones. You're like, <laughs> it's a special one. Cream brulee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it's really like the, yeah, the, 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 the champagne of bourbon. Yeah, yeah. And beautifully. Yeah, and I, I always lean towards the sweeter side myself. I'm not a fan of as much of the dry bourbons as I am the sweet, mm. lingering yeah. finish ones. I got sweet tooth. <laughs> you know, our formula, we're a high rye content on our. Now you've tasted all these barrels. They're all made the same year. The day it was made and went in the barrel. It was the same product. We have two formulas here. We have a rye formula and a bourbon formula. All of our products will taste different because I'm selecting barrels for 81 or 101 or Russell's or Rare Breed or Spirit. We're selecting the barrels at different ages for different tastes. But the day it was made and went in the barrel, it was the same product. Can't stop smelling. I think uh, the only the only the only time you can say nuttiness on the nose is really during a barrel tasting, right? I mean, that's about the only time that it really really flies. <laughs> Got her. She's actually pulling out one of the fresh bums that have been put in there. So something tells me this is something that somebody had previously tasted they passed upon. You know, I've, I've run across a bunch of barrels that people go nuts on that other people have passed on. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. mean it's too much. Yeah. 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 They're looking for a weed and whiskey. They're in the wrong place. Right, 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 right. <laughs> the wild turkey wheat. Yeah. <laughs> wrong Rick house. Try to knock it in. So instead of, it wasn't, it was uh-oh. Can't see it on camera. Definitely can't hear it. But what happened was that the, you hit around the bung to make it actually come out of the barrel itself. However, if it's just giving you too much shit, you just say, well, fuck it. We're just going to hit it all the way through it, and it'll end up inside the barrel. And at some point, that's going to be somebody else's problem if we don't take the barrel. The hardest thing about doing barrel picks I've learned is, is it doesn't matter what it tastes like in cash strength and it's getting pretty good. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's I would, hard to I would think, it, you know. I, I think that's definitely something you have to take into consideration when you are doing this, only because of of how awesome this is to be tasting out of the barrel. I think it also has to do with, I mean, when you walk in, you, before you even came in here, right, like the aroma of just bourbon was already coming on to you. Yeah. Uh even at 10 a.m., you're like, "Fuck it, let's drink," right? Yeah. Like, so I, I think, yeah, I think, I think it, it definitely puts put a, a a psychological factor into it uh, as well. You know, to me, it always tastes. You get this aroma and everything in here; it always tastes better to me in here than it does anywhere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, other than like in a kitchen with like bacon frying behind you, right? Like that may be the close second. Well, you know, I know this to be a fact. Many years ago, uh, Weller and Water was huge in Texas. That was one distillery at one time. You know what it was everywhere else? 
Yeah. Oh, Fitzgerald. No. Oh, oh, yeah. People drank Weller at Fitzgerald's. Not worth drinking. It's, people drank Fitzgerald at Weller's. Mm-hmm. And I know they'd bottle out the same tank when this bottle. Back, back when that distillery was operating. Now it's two different companies. But Buffalo Trace owns Weller now. And Heaven Hill owns old Fitzgerald. And they're really changing that now. You know what that's going to be, don't you? You're probably not going to get much old Fitzgerald anymore. Really? Larceny. Yeah. That's what it is. Bourbon. That's what I'm saying these distillers, these people don't have uh, distilleries. They're in trouble right now. The bourbon market is short. Yeah. Uh, like Buffalo Trace, you can't hardly find Elmer T. Lee's anymore. No. You can't hardly find a lot of stuff of Beams anymore. Heaven Hill, a lot of their products you can't find anymore. No. I heard I heard MGP's charging thousands of dollars per barrel now for yeah. people that are just that they're are net new customers that they you know uh, they got granddad passed away left them a good inheritance they say you know what this sounds like a good fun gig for we'll see how long <laughs> exactly. and and you know the i guess it's the, the blanket statement across any anybody that's starting a distillery they say well we're going to source first while we're building right hopefully we get bought out right. and then we'll figure it out down the line right but even when people that want to start net new and start talking to mgp i mean they're talking a couple thousand a barrel now uh, yeah. Versus what was just a few hundred and uh, big contracts three barrels. three four uh, years ago. That's wild. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. So yeah, MGP from what I'm hearing is having a huge contract to even be able to buy barrels from mm-hmm. anymore. We're mm-hmm. talking seven figures. That's important. But yeah, yeah I think I it takes a good inheritance. Yeah, a good inheritance. Yeah, was that that place? Yeah. See, that was old Seagram's plant many many years yep. ago. Right. So the big distillery up there in my age, you know what it was. Shinley. Shinley, yes. They're a big body now, they're everything. And then there was another plant there, a smaller plant called James Walls, old Shaughnessy plant. Yes, sir. That's a beautiful territory in where that was. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Did Shinley, if memory serves correctly, I believe they had four distilleries during that time period. What? Yeah. Was Shinley? Yeah, wasn't it? How many? Four, I believe. In, in but county? not just in uh, what not county, just, not just in Indiana, but in California, I believe they had one. And they had about fifteen in Kentucky. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, you learn something every day. <laughs> they, and, uh, it's a town in Pennsylvania called Shinley, Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Yep. I wouldn't. I wouldn't they, try to play stump the chump with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, own, they own Scott. <laughs> they own. They own Scott's distilleries and everything. Uh, uh, Buffalo Trace. They own that. Old Stag, wow. Ancient Age. Yeah, yeah. I think I have some of those. I.W. Harper, Louisville. Yep. Uh, they had several down around Bardstown. You know, if you told me 35 years ago, the two biggest companies at that time were Shinley and National. They're both gone. Now, Nash, Shinley got out of business completely. But National sends starches and chemicals and everything, and they sold off their spirits division. But if you told me 40, 35, 40 years ago, them two had been out of business, now I told you, you're crazy, because they were yeah. the two largest companies in the in the world. I'm sad National Distillers went out. <laughs> Hell, you didn't know about National Distillers until five years ago, okay? so <laughs> National Distillers wasn't busy five years ago. <laughs> exactly. Until, until, yeah, he gets on the dusty train, and then all of a sudden, yeah. he's just like, I got to find this stuff that's never, you know, can't get anymore, right? <laughs> If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. 
Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So how did you actually get started with doing this Cutting the grass? Is that a true story? No, that's Eddie. <laughs> that's Eddie. <laughs> Needing a job. He's cutting the, really? he's cutting the grass in Italy right now. <laughs> I mean, it's so right. Exactly. Thank you, Ed. No, uh, I teased about that. I told him I need the job. <laughs> but my grandfather was in the business. My dad was in the business. Uh, actually, my wife was working here before I was. Oh, really? And... Uh, I come to work and uh, she stayed home, took care of after her children come along, and she went back to school. It was an administration near the high school, and but my father, my grandfather, and back when I was growing up, if Ford still was still left here in Anderson County, and I had families working at all of them. My age, when you got out of college, it's normally the first thing you want to do is stay at home, and get a job. Now you young people. Get out, get away, far as I can. And then, <laughs> then, then, then I tease 10 years, you're back home. <laughs> but uh, I, I was uh, lucky enough to get on here. Actually, my dad was working for the old Joe Distilling Company. You ever heard of old Joe? Yes, sir. Bonds Mill, old Joe. Yes, sir. He was working for them. And he finished up the last 10 years. His life was sure. And that's the worst job I've ever had. Really? Yes. I was his boss. Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> low fill barrels. Is there something about those that you notice that stand out? Because they seem to always be. Well, most time when these single barrels, I call them the sugar barrels. You know why, don't you? The employees know where the best barrel takes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're talking about cutting guy. Eddie, Eddie tells that story on me. Eddie tells a story on me, and he come here, and he thought he could, I was doing, running the plant and everything. He thought he, I made him mow grass, dump bottles and everything. <laughs> he said he didn't think that was right. <laughs> he understands now because, you know, you're working with people that you went to school with. And they can't say you've never done this. He's done had to do everything they've done. He understands it now, but he didn't understand it back when he was younger. You Actually, he was playing football for Western Kentucky University. Okay. No and uh, he come here for a summer job. He said they detail the store that Mama put him told me to put him to work. And he's been a long thirty six summers now. <laughs> and I don't tell him this, but he's got a better education now if he stayed at the University of Western University playing football. 
you know, playing football for a major college, you get a lot of help in your grades. Yeah. But he went to school at nights, daytime while he was working, got his degree. And he wasn't getting any help doing that study. He had to do that on his own. That's really nice. So, Nick, we haven't heard much out of you yet. So let's let's get some let's get some information out of you real quick. So put that microphone next to your face. Turn it on. So, we're, but we're going to. So I, I guess yeah. Nick, kind of. Um, so kind of explain to me. You know, like how many picks you've been on. Uh, it, you know, have you done wild turkey before? Uh, how's this one unique or different compared to the last one? So on and so forth. Um, I've done several yeah, picks. I'm actually a founding member of the Bourbon Mafia, so we've done picks everywhere. Okay. Um, so you know Brian Gelfo very well, yes. who we've had on the show before. Yes. Right? Yes. This one is kind of a little bit different barrel pick for me, just being with Reed and Emerald, um, two guys I've looked up to for years. Um, some of the first uh, private picks that I ever got to taste. I look forward to Which kind of snowballed into this whole obsession. But, you know, since then... I've learned, you know, the, the, the unicorns and all that garbage. I'm more into the private picture right now. Stuff coming out of different stores, and I'm very fortunate to live three or four miles away from Ed's place up in Cork and, and get some of the, the picks he has coming out of there. Those, Our, uh, those single barrel picks, what's nice about them, they're just unique. It's like Eddie's. Absolutely. Like yeah. Jimmy said. Absolutely. It, it's off profile, so you can go off and yeah. you got nine labels with the same picture on it, and you got... Ten different barrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where I think me and Ed line up, where uh, most of his picks are a little bit different, a little bit off profile, and that's what I like to dive into is get the, you know, I've had Russell's Reserve, and it's great, great whiskey, love it to death, have plenty of bottles at the house, but when you get something that's a private pick from a from a group or, you know, a, a different store, it's like, ooh, that's, that's not the everyday thing coming out, and that's what really gets me excited now. What's funny, oh, yeah. that's kind of the same story I have with Ryan from Julio's. You know, yeah. Just a phenomenal guy. When I first met the guy, we're standing in the aisle, we're just talking whiskey. I had no idea the guy owned the place. <laughs> we're just chit-chatting back and forth. and like, yeah, one day I want to do a barrel. I was like, well, you want to join us? I'm from Arizona. <laughs> I'm in Massachusetts. Like, he's like, come out to Kentucky. So we all hopped Meet on the, the airplane and showed up. Five guys I'd never met before, and we just went out and had a good time. And Ryan's been always good at just finding those nice off profiles. So, it, you know, Ryan's so busy right now, he's opening another store. That's why he's not here today. But he has just been very good, whether it's scotch or bourbon or anything, just finding those nice little niche bourbons that just stand out. I miss the old Rock Hill Farms days Ooh, again. Oh, God. Cherry bombs. I was going to say, so I, I kind of want to dig into you guys a little bit uh, that have been doing barrel picks for, for years now when – some of these bourbons, I mean, when you get to be able to do barrel picks of Elmer T, uh, you know, all these other kind of things that have, oh, have basically days. fallen off yeah. the map, right? So I guess, um, how has it changed in your in your opinion, uh, the fact that is it a good thing, is it a bad thing that bourbons become so popular that you can only get uh, private barrel picks through a very, very limited allocation now, and the things that you can get aren't necessarily the things that you could use to get um, five years ago? A little bit of mixed thoughts. I mean, with, with the popularity means you get more choices. Maybe it's Jimmy that said it. That said, "Hey, there's, we haven't made our best bourbon yet, so it means a, there's another great one coming up in the future that we're going to have one day." So He's also full of fact. shit, but you know, we'll, <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> so we're all of us. One more glasses. Yeah, we're all full but, of shit right now. Yeah. So I like the idea that there's more choices out there. I, I like the fact I, I can tell who's distilling it. I don't like all the different labels. Sometimes I like to go, okay, wild turkey, whoever it may be. But the fact that they're all they're pushing to continue to, to climb that ladder on who's the best gives us more options for the consumer. Uh, it's not a bad thing. What you you worry about is things get thin because you run out of juice, but 
I think all the distillers are full steam, make as many as you can. So that just means more choices. Absolutely. So if you ten percent of the barrels are unbelievably great, well, they make ten thousand more barrels. That gives me a thousand more to choose from. The first read numerals we stumbled on fell on top of a six year old barrel that was phenomenal. That's right. right. So I mean, it, it poked us. We didn't pick it. It picked us. And it's a damn good bourbon. I didn't make it. <laughs> right. Any idiot could have picked that bottle and go, "That's a good bourbon." So that, that's that's been a big change. Though. If you take a look now, number one, you've got when we started picking barrels, it was not unusual for us to request samples and get 40, 50 samples sent to us. Yeah, seriously. Or go to, or, go to a Rick house, walk down between the aisles and just drill the barrels, you know, just yeah. one after another. And what's happened now with the pressure on the on the distilleries of all the groups coming in, uh, the number of, I mean, this is a luxury today, having this number of barrels today. So, yeah, I mean, this is absolutely, truly, truly a luxury. Because, you know, look, even... Uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of guys out there say these fabulous barrel pickers. I tell you what, this is like, I get 200 barrels of taste room, which we had for the first barrels we did with 200 of them. And we were the first people to go through the Rick House. The first one was the hardest. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, if you pick bad barrels, I mean, you were really an idiot. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, I know, too. I've been in some on Four Roses and uh, 79.2, and they used to give you 10, 12 barrels. Now it's like three, you yeah. know, to pick from each time. And it's like, well. Yeah, you know, which are still amazing, but it's just yeah. we try to taste everything blind. But, you know, when we pick a four roses, we say turn the barrels around. We don't care what the what and what Jimmy said is we used to always at four roses. We Jim was always a nice guy and he was great to have. But we went to to the young lady who managed the warehouse and asked her. And we said, Corey, would you pick the barrels for us? <laughs> and she'd bring them in. And we said, we don't care what the recipe is. We don't care. Just find the best ones you have. Turn them around. I don't want guys looking at the recipe. Because they, they had an That's F yeast there for a while, and everybody wanted mm-hmm. the F yeast. And she snuck a couple of the Fs in on us, and all of a sudden, like, holy cow, yeah. that can't be an F. Yeah. It's, it's so many scary. factors. I mean, it's, you just can't look at one dimension. Look at, it's always going to be X. Yeah, yeah. But, the, okay. but they like the day to have this variety of good whiskey. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're, you're not gonna hit, we haven't hit a bad barrel. They've all been no. standouts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, really nice. Not just trying to. They all look like geniuses. Very smart. Well, I think it is time for another barrel, then, right? Here we go. Yeah. Where's the on this one? Yeah. Where's the next one, Ken? You are noticing we're slowing down. Yeah, we're slowing way down. So, are you looking at doing any type of experimenting to do longer aging or anything? Us, no. No. Me, I could give you my personal. I think bourbon is better between seven and twelve. It gets much over twelve out. Now we put we got a we got a we got a limited edition out right. We got a limited edition out right now called Decade. It's ten to twenty year old bourbons. Every time we put out an older bourbon, it's only been about a hundred to hundred and fifty barrels, and we're tasting. We put out a fourteen, a fifteen, a seventeen, and this ten to twenty. We put out a thirteen, sixteen combination. We're tasting them. If they start getting that woody, take, we move them down and slow that aging down. We can control 100 to 150 barrels. We can't control 700,000 barrels. That's what we've got in inventory right now. So I understand you're going to give us a signed bottle of that each? <laughs> we have well, it's one not each. his favorite, apparently, right? Uh, so he's, we he'll, say, he'll, he say, say he'll say, fuck you, Jimmy Russell, right? We have one east. And all I can vouch for, it's 63 years old. It's here and I got here, and we're still using the same, same yeast. So what, what has changed in the last couple of years you've been here since? Well, the, the only change we've done is better equipment. Really? You know, when I started, 
you've done everything by hand. You sit there and control the steam valve, pump valve by hand. Now you have now we have computers, but our computers we still have to have operators. Instead yeah. of opening and closing valves by hand, they're sitting there. They have to be out there when they're filling that fermenter. They have to be out there when they're weighing the grain. They have to be there when they're cooking. Before, and actually, they make computers now. You could run this place in Arizona, yep. but yep. if something goes wrong, what are you going to do? Uh, you send in the robot, right? You send in the robot that's on the, on the drone, yeah. You send in the drone, and you, you figure it out later, right? Jimmy, when you added in the new still, how many years ago was that? Uh, Two thousand nine. So, what do you think? Was there any changes in the same profile? So no, you, you were able to tune that puppy right on in. It's the same steel, same size, everything. You know, it's copper. You have to change. They wear out. You have to replace them. So all the plates in there, how often did you place a plate? So basically you just moved over to a new color. No, we built, uh, when we built a new steel, we built a completely new steel. Yeah. Same as the one old. Actually, part of the old steel that, that you're drinking out of, what you're drinking right now, come out of old steel. Really? And it's, it's in the visitor center up there, so you can see inside, see what it looks like inside and all. How about any of the, how about the oak barrels? Have they changed over the last 50 years? Thickness of stays or no, where you're pulling your oak? No, we still get most of our oak out of Arkansas, Missouri, or Kentucky. Really? And we, when I started, all stays were cut and kept out in the field for a minimum of six to nine months. Ours still has sat in the, they're doing a lot of kill drying on the woods now. Okay, just an apple factor to get this. Get, so, has the age of the wood changed and the forester pull from? Is it all roughly what, six to ten years old? Yeah. You better talk about 30 year old. 25, 30. Okay, good. That's what I was leaning towards. The way it is, you know, an oak tree replenishes itself. And what they do in the foresteries, they go in there and make selective cuttings. They cut out so many, leave so many. And a new oak will pop up right there where a lot of things, pines and all you have to see, but, but to them, they'll replace their shit. So over time, you kept the same stave, thickness, cage of the oaks roughly the same age. So you guys have been consistent over the last 65 years. Yeah. You possibly well, we've been dealing with the same barrel company for 40 some odd years. The same same grain company for corn is down here at Baghdad. We've been dealing with them over 40 years. So that was going to be my next question on the corn. So no change in the corn. You haven't got the GMO. Well, we don't use any GMO grains. We don't use any GMO grains. And to be honest with you, right now we're having to go to northern Germany to get a rye to meet our standards. Uh, I, I guess, Jimmy, just go, go go a little bit deeper with that. Like, why do you think you have to go to northern Germany to get your rye? I mean, is it is it because of, of production or is it because no, of the meet better? our standards. Meet okay. our standards. Quality control, man. Quality control. Meet our standards. We don't use any GMO grains. Right. Uh, we use we use, we use six roll barley. It's two, four, and six year four roll barley. We use a six roll barley. And I guess I guess you're gonna know it better than anybody else around here. So when it when it comes to when it comes to like local growers, local farmers, whatever it is, is has has because I, I guess there's there's been this fad with bourbon lately and saying like oh we're uh, we're we're farmed a bottle, right? Like to the point, like yeah, like who gives a shit, right? Because it's like let's yeah, like let's let's buy something that's better for everybody. So I guess has, have you noticed with like local farmers, are they move into this um, GMO kind of uh, well, big, big corn states are all went GMO. Now they're starting to go back. See, you can grow about 250 acres to a bushel in GMO grain. 
and you have to, don't have to do much work. Where in the corn we use about 150 bushels acre. You're paying more for it. But uh, we use the number two corn. Basically, our corn that we use is the same grade as you went to a grocery store and bought cornmeal to cook at home with. Well, Jim, if you were going to change one thing, what would you change? If, if wild turkey or the industry, what would you change? Uh, wild turkey, I would not change anything. I would stay the perfection. You're just gonna keep right on. Uh, I want to be consistent. Same. Uh, a lot of them say, you know, back in the seventies, a lot of the stories when the young people come along, and start drinking gins and vodkas. A lot of the stories changed their form of lighting it up to compete with white whiskey or white bourbon, which I never understood. Well, no, I'm talking about lighting their formulas up and uh, using more corn. And all. Now they're not, we didn't change a thing. Now, some of them thought I was hard headed and stubborn here, but not changing. Another big thing I see now, when I started, everything was bottled around 100 proof. Then they started going down in proof. Do you all see a big change now? Everybody's going back to high proof. We don't have to change. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you guys changed your uh, your, your entry proof, or has that been consistent too? You're going at one ten, or you're at one. We're a little higher now than one ten. What do you think the impact of that's been? It, uh, we know it doesn't have. We're not in that 120, 125 range. So what happened when you start getting those real high entry proofs? What are, what are you doing? You pulling out the more of the astringent? No, what you're doing? You're distilling higher. Yeah. So you're distilling a lot of. Uh, you like steak. Yes. You like it well done? Not you. No, Why? No, no, no. Because Why? you start baking the flavor out. You, you, answer, my, you answer my question. The yeah. higher you distill anything, the less flavor. You can distill up to 160 proof. So you start becoming more pure alcohol, less flavor. You lose all the, the mash. You, yeah, you lose the flavors. So, you get, so you guys are over 110 now. What, what were you, say, in the 60s or 70s? Were you at 105, 110 entry or near now? Around 107, 110. 100, so you're just plus or minus a little yeah. bit. Very little difference. Uh-huh. Uh, same form. We, uh, I, I won't tell you the exact range. We come off the steel somewhere around 120 proof. Okay. You just taper down a little bit around 110-ish? No, and then the doublers, the double distillation. The second distillation, we come around 125. Okay. And see, we're adding very little water to put it in the barrel to start. We've kept the flavor in it, and we're adding very little water. See, if I distill higher proof, I've lost a lot of flavor. If I put, when I get it put in the barrel at 120, I'm going to put a lot of water in it. And then, well, actually, some of the barrel proofs on the market now is 140 some odd proof. I mean, I, I guess that was very. I was impressed that you have 20-year-old barrels sitting. We had a few of them. <laughs> they lose some here and there. They get some 60-year-old oh, some stuff here forgot. somewhere. Hey, that's on the rack. If it's 60-year-old, won't be nothing in the barrel. <laughs> it's it's a problem with Excel sheet formula, right? I mean, that's what the problem is at the end of the day. Is you just you can't you can't keep track of everything, right? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh, here we go. Yeah. You better. We have to count for every barrel. That's why those water seem like a mystery. Yeah, the yeah. The new, the new wild turkey orphans yeah. is what they call them, right? Well, the one thing you get to twenty-one. You know, the one, the thing you really, uh, y'all remember, forgiven. Yeah, wild turkey forgiven, absolutely. Yeah. I know. Yes. See, that was a bad mix-up on our part. We dumped bourbon, and uh, when they got through dumping bourbon from the dump room, tank room, we had to clean out the lines. Yeah, you had bourbon and rye mixed together, then, right? Oh, that was our single barrel rye we're missing today. <laughs> right, we, we lost six months of rye in that deal. Actually, we'd go and call it Unforgiven, but we couldn't because Clint Eastwood's got that register in that movie, so we just took the un off of it. And what it was, uh, they come, and this is what we strive for here. If you make a mistake, we want to know about it. They come and told us what happened. If they hadn't have told us, you wouldn't be here tasting today. We'd still been here counting barrels because the government had come in and said, 
we dumped the wrong barrels and misleaded them out in the field. But when it's 22% rye, 78% wild turkey bourbon, so what's it? So is that now a regular product? I've seen. Oh, no, so no. You're, no. You're, still, you're still trying to uh, market the rest of it. Now, Forgiven's gone. Like, what you see on the shelves now is the end of it, right? For a long time, it's still on the shelves. Yeah, and then whatever you see now is the end of it, from what I understand. You see that crappy old Fitzgerald stuff in the 60s on the shelves, too. That tells you something. Yeah, right. Those tax stamps, like, who wants those, right? If we ever get caught up on a rye, if we ever get caught up on a rye whiskey, yeah, we probably can go. We know we can go back and make it, but we just don't have the rye to make it now. I guess, Ed, tee us up real quick, like what's happening next, like with the next barrels. So we have two more barrels to taste here today. Um, they're both technically Kentucky spirit barrels, but both are heavy proof Kentucky spirit barrels. They're 120, 121 proof, so they can be bottled as Russell's, she said. With so, a wild turkey Kentucky spirit unfiltered label with a 101? That's great. Yeah, yeah. with a pewter top. We just put limited edition next to it, too, just to the picture of Ed. I got in trouble with them pewter tops. This is barrel. Did you? I, I guess that's a that's a good story then. So I guess Jimmy, tell tell us the story about how you got in trouble with the pewter tops. Well, what happened? You know, we started down. I see they got the original bottles down there. That's the pewter top and the black case it was in. It's got a black label on it. It should have a black label on it. They what? They wanted to get all of our products looking the same. But what it was, that gentleman come down here. He's claiming uh, he'd been cutting that pewter tops off. And he and he'd been making knobs and putting on all of his furniture in his house. Yeah. And he, when he quit, he kind of said, "I got to get more. I don't have. I haven't got my furniture finished." <laughs> but he was using them knobs. He was making knobs out and put his. Gorgeous, you're gorgeous. Uh-huh. Oh, Few of us have a case of those laying around. So, Jimmy, I, I know we talked about it last time you were on the podcast, and I, I think we have to bring it up again just because of people that they just want to know about it. So, um, so cheesy gold foil, was it a thing? They, is, it, is it just a, or is it just a thing? We changed it. That was all 12-year-old. We had three or four different labels over the years on that. Eddie always thought the cheesy gold was the best-looking one of the bunch, but but it was all the same product. How, how old was he then? Who? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was working. <laughs> yeah. so he's a, he's wow. at least uh, – he's probably eight around here, so, yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody's got somebody's to vacuum the floors. Label. Yeah. We had a split label. Yep. Had the cheesy gold, as Eddie calls it. We had to make a decision. See, the rare breed's got a lot of 12 in it. Okay. And we had to make a decision, either do away with rare breed or 12-year-old. And the rare breed outsells. Well, actually, right now, unless it's changed in the last year, it's a top-selling barrel proof on the market. All right. So uh, this is this is the, the last barrel that we're picking today. So I, I kind of want to talk to the guys that are really the – the main show here. There's a there's an interesting thing that's happening in the the whiskey industry today, and it's the fact that like there's not a whole lot of like it's not like the beer the craft beer industry, right? Like there's a whole lot of like collaboration between breweries, right? They'll they'll bring different yeast strains, they'll bring different kinds of things to, to each other, right? And the whiskey industry isn't technically really doing that, right? Like everybody has their their own silos, but however, you're doing a little something different. Is where it you're true since every family works at every distillery. Well, <laughs> I mean it's that family tree is pretty tight. Let's let's be real. We're in Kentucky, right? So there's probably some yeah. blending going on anyway, right? So uh, I guess the other the other way to kind of look at this is that like, what do you what do you think about having um, a, a marriage of two different stores, two different groups, whoever it is? Like a Pappy Van Turkey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like those what do you think it is about having like both these groups come together and choose something that makes it either special or unique, whether it's a blend or whether it's uh, 
buying power? Like, I, I really don't know, right? So I guess kind of talk about that a little bit. I don't know. For me, when, when I started talking with Emerald, it's just more about camaraderie, I guess, <laughs> spreading the love. I, you know, they're, the stores they're representing are so far north of us, it's not really competition at all of us. And for me, I, I guess it's more of us meeting guys that, that I respected in the industry that have done amazing things long before I even set foot in here. And I, to me, it's more of a it's more all, friendship. It's all family. You know? yeah. I get calls constantly from guys that I've met that I've never physically met, but met online to come down to Bardstown, hang out, have some pours, and I'll hop in my car and drive down there and go see them. I mean, it's it's all about spreading the love. That's how Catch a Predator starts, too, by the way. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. You this, won't this. see me on that one. All right. <laughs> yeah. Another Another thing that I just like these craft distillers starting up now. You know, I tell people now our vocabulary is better. When I started, this little family-owned distilleries. Mm -hmm. Now they're craft distillers, (laughs) (laughs) but that's what it was, you know. And you all get together and like, man, we should, you know, get some barrels. Your best barrels, my best barrels, throw them together, see what happens. Let's throw something out there. No, we used to. We don't anymore. But used to Booker and they all run a bunch of us. Parker. Every once in a while, somebody sent out a letter, come to our uh, distillery tonight, bring your own bottle, but you can't drink it. <laughs> that sounds fun. The last now, turn out the lights. <laughs> <laughs> question, have you guys ever thought about doing a collaboration where you'd mix five bottles of wild turkey with three bottles of Knob Creek? and One time. One time. We'd done that for Parker Bean. Mm-hmm. It was a collaboration series. Called uh, Uni- Unity. And all of us put uh, give them a barrel of bourbon, and Parker and Craig, I still get these close friend of mine. Uh, they put it together, and it was called Unity, and uh, it sold it at charitable for LS ALS disease. And uh, I got a bottle sitting in my office. That's amazing. But yeah, we've done that. That's that's the only one we've ever done that way. But we've done that for Parker when he first. Got sick, uh, mm. so he, uh, Parker and Craig put it together and they bottled it, called it Unity, and they sold it to charitable events to raise money for ALS disease. That's actually very amazing. I guess, Jimmy, I want to throw another question your way, real quick, in in regards of Parker, because the last time we interviewed was before Parker passed away, and uh, I guess, I guess, talk about, you know, I guess in regards of. What Parker meant to you in the industry? Uh, did 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 Parker really was was he an influence on you or anything like that? Were you guys great friends? Well, uh, so kind of kind of talk about that just a little. Well, bit. I, we were great friends. I was in the business for Parker. <laughs> I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah, but, you know we all grew mostly grew up together around here in Central Part of Kentucky, knew each other, and and then. Uh, we was in the business together, and we all always done everything we could to help each other out. It's like I said, when when Parker and him had the big fire in '94, I believe, everybody in our business pitched in, helped them do everything they could for them, and that's the way it's always been. Uh, you know, we're say we're all family. We're all family. Well, this has been a it's been interesting. It's been a, it's been a crazy day, right? So yeah. I think uh, I think one. I, we're actually fortunate enough that we did our first ever barrel tasting, right? And recorded it as a podcast, which is, I don't know, pretty cool. In my, I think it's cool. I mean, we got a lot of content. We're, it's going to be a huge editing job. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty cool. I, I think it's really, really great because, I mean, as you can see behind, we got we got Jimmy Russell right behind us, right? We, so we've got some really cool, uh, a lot of people that were here 
that were actually helping us choose the barrels, doing not only just, I mean, I mean, usually when we come to these things, you, you get rolled out like four, three or four or five, six barrels and you choose one. I mean, we had, what, 10, 12 barrels and we got yeah. to do, we had to choose six, right? So I think it was really cool in the fact that uh, we got a very unique experience in regards to that. That's for sure. Yeah. And the picks I've done, it's either three or five barrels. We did 10 to 12. They were all fantastic. There was a few standouts. I'm interested to see what the guys pick as they're, uh, you know, the few that they're going to, or I guess they're picking six, but. Which yeah. six they're gonna pick, but I, I honestly when you when you do this, like do you really think it's it's hard to choose a bad barrel? Like, I mean, there's some there's some that don't stand out, but I mean, is there really such no, there's a no, bad barrel? There's none of them that are bad, but there's definitely a few that like you're just like, wow, that one's special. And you, mm-hmm. you make you wanna make sure you get that none of them were bad, but there were some that I was like, These are good, but I, the other ones I just would rather have. I guess, but question, that's our palette, you know. It's I, totally different, and that and that's what I think. Jimmy said it earlier on the show. He just said, he said, you know, when you choose a barrel, choose it for your customers. Like, right. choose it for yourselves. Like, what do you, what do your customers really want? Yeah, and, and I, that's what the seventeen eighty nine guys said. They're like, we know we our customers like sugar bombs. They're like real sweet bourbons. You know, that's that's what they're looking for. So that's kind of what they were looking for. Whereas some of the spicier ones, the big, you know floral pungent ones that's the ones i like so it's interested to see what the, they'll, they'll select yeah i mean i was i was fortunate we were think we were fortunate enough that we didn't have like a huge like influence on it right, right. That uh, we, could, we had zero influence i know <laughs> exactly right like let's just let's just kind of be in the background we'll kind of figure it out like we'll let them figure it out and we'll just we'll just kind of take notes of, of what they're doing as they go so i thought that was really cool uh doing all this i guess uh so this is your first time doing a russell's pick though like what do yeah. you think of it versus uh four roses or whatever other kind of picks you've done before this one the the way the reason i liked it it was so much more laid back like the other ones have been on four roses 17 uh 92 they they were kind of like all right, let's get you in and out of here. Let's do this fast. We got, we like, got seven of these to do I mean, today. Let's make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Like here we've been hanging out. I mean, hell, we had 20 to 30 minutes between each barrel. You know, we've just been shooting the shit. So that's been a fun part, which we normally, I haven't got on other barrel picks. Otherwise, it was like, like you said, we got seven to go. You got about an hour. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of get that, that same same mentality too. I, I mean, I, I think the cool thing is coming here and coming to Wild Turkey is that uh, they are very laid back. I mean, when they do things, I think they only do like uh, just a few a day. I'm talking like yeah. at the most, like two or three a day. And so you have like your 10 a.m. crew and then your 1 a.m. crew. And the, yeah, another big difference too, like generally when I go to barrel picks, they have the barrels sitting right in front of you. Like the the ones here, they're just kind of scattered throughout. And we've kind of been making our way throughout the warehouse. We're like, oh, this is on the list. Uh, let's go hunt it down, you know, put the thief in. You know, it's been really more of a active experience, I guess. Well, I think the other cool thing is it's not in a warehouse, right? It's actually right. in a rick house, right? right. It, because you've, you've gone to other barrel picks and they're like, yeah, we'll just, we'll roll things out in front exactly. of you, literally in a warehouse, like whether it's in the visitor center or whether yeah. it's wherever and, or they'll ship you samples, like whatever it is. So you definitely don't get that full experience as actually just being here in the Rick house. Uh, you know, I mean, we're sitting here next to, I mean, you can, you probably can't see on the, on the camera right now, but I mean, we've got barrels that some, some of them are leaking out the side, some of them that are aged, uh, probably at least a, a solid five years, whatever it is. Right. So yeah. there's definitely a, a unique aspect to this and that's for sure. Yeah. And once again, my leaky barrel, theory uh proved right again those were there's a couple leaky barrels and they were to me the standouts but you know what do i know well i think that's 
part of the thing of why we had Ed on the show. Yeah. Uh, why we had to meet up with Reed and Emerald of of uh, 1780B and uh, Julio's because that's it's one of like the the bigger liquor stores that we, yeah. we, we talk about all the time. However, seeing the people that are actually picking them is a is a huge. I don't know, advantage to be able to see like what goes in their thought process. Yeah, it's just uh, a cool, just to pick their brains, see what's going on, what notes they're picking off, you know, because to us, it's like it either is good or not good. Yeah. <laughs> but then they can kind of yeah. gadget through the. Well, we're the, not, uh, we're not talking experience. like, you know, will it 24 year rise right. here, right? I mean, right. This is, but this is still a, a, a very unique aspect of, of what they're able to bring to the table and what they're able to, um, what we can actually see, right? Because. As I was saying earlier in the podcast, like these guys, the, the sarcasm was laying on. Them. Yeah, like these guys. Um, they like, say they did one or two. This, this is, is like the, the thousandth. Like, this is in their fortieth at least. Like we're we're talking up there in the in the, in the high, at least in the high forties, if not the high thirties, right? So we had a lot to learn from their experience, uh, just not to come out here and uh, basically just drink to the point where we're just like, oh, it tastes great. They all taste great. Exactly. Right? Like, how do you discern the notes? How do you discern the differences? And uh, how do you how water do you, it down to where it's going to be at bottling? And yeah, I mean, I think I think that's probably one of the biggest things that throws a lot of people off when you're doing this is like, how do you make sure that you're 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 doing it for the consumer at the end state, right? Right. Because when we taste these things, like, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. anything out of the barrel is oh, awesome. I mean, uh, it's if I could, if I had a, a Dewalt right now, I'd just go and hit this, <laughs> hit this barrel right here and just kind of see what's going on because it, I think I think what comes out of the barrel is by far better than anything that you get straight out of the bottle. But at the end, anything you make in the green egg is always better than I wait an hour and a half before I serve it or whatever. Right, right. So. I will say this: I've done some barrel selections in the winter and where the b- bourbon is cold, and it, doing it now and where we in mid in May, it makes a big difference because you I can agree. actually like when it's cold every thing tastes similar so doing it you know in the right before summer you know it's a good temperature i think that makes a big difference i think you said earlier goldschlager in the freezer right (laughs) Right, exactly just mellows out every every harsh piece that you can and then yeah you just you just chug it at that point but i i think it's been a a very unique experience in what it is so yeah and i hope our guests enjoy it you know it it was a lot of work and production for this uh i think the information will be cool and the experience hopefully you can live vicariously through us but uh i think it's time for us to wrap it up and start drinking Absolutely. and enjoying this. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to say thank you for everybody that uh, has either watched this or is listening to this right now. You know, we've got a, a few more podcasts. You know, we're, we're currently on our on our break, but we will this is actually, I guess we're not going to be a break by the time it comes out. <laughs> right. However, this is uh, part of the process of uh, making sure that we get some great new content, figuring out what's going to be great for everyone. And, this and is, transition to video. Yeah. So what's <laughs> up, everybody that's actually watching us on video? Make sure you su- make sure you find us on Facebook because Facebook is be the main spot. We're going to find all those videos. So make sure you go there, like our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, you're going to get most of the information through there now. Uh, starting to veer away from Twitter a little bit because it's just it's just the whiskey nerds a little bit that are on yeah. Twitter. Well, it's the news. I think Twitter's the news, like breaking news. When we're not breaking news, we're just trying to bring you good information. I, you I think that, that's a good way to put it, right? So, yeah, if you guys have any show suggestions, feedback, comments, we'd love to hear it. Hopefully you enjoy this first production of a barrel tasting. It was a lot of work, and we don't know what the hell we're doing, as always. Um, it kind of reminds me of the first time we did a podcast, and know, we had right? a, like we had a laptop, and we're like, is it on record, or is it not? We don't know what the hell we're doing, but I think it's going to turn out good. We'll, a lot of heavy editing, but I uh, hope you all enjoy it. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.